Phyllis Reed Jarvis, CEO at Ultimate Potentials, an organizational development business consultancy. With expertise in organizational psychometric assessments, customized leadership training and development, and executive and strategic coaching, Phyllis and her team helps organizations achieve their goals. And I wanted to introduce Phyllis to the show today. Hi, how are you? I am very well. Thank you, Alicia. It's great to be here. And, um, you know, I just wanted the listeners just to get a really good understanding of who you are and what you do and how you gravitated towards the health and wellness uh, space. So can you just give us a little bit of a background in terms of how you ended up connecting with corporate and working with um, members in that health and wellness space? Okay, well, thank you so much. Great question. So my journey into health and wellness started some 20 odd years ago. And um, so I might have shared with you that I worked as a registered dietitian for the better part of, say, 20 years. And I actually stumbled upon that field. And being uh, born in the Caribbean, I, I was born in Jamaica. It's natural, you know, with our parents, you go to school. There's none of the you take time off or anything like that to figure out what you want to do. That's very North American. And so the expectation was that I would just continue pursuing my education. I thought I wanted to be a microbiologist and had started pursuing that. But after growing my first Petri dish of, um, I guess, you know, gross stuff, which is what I saw it looking like, I decided there and then I'm going to finish this uh, course because anything I start, I finish. And uh, that's it. I'm looking for a different career. I cannot handle working with germs. So that one, I, I put the kibosh on that. I ended up going to the University of Manitoba and in the Department of Foods and Nutrition because I'd heard a woman being interviewed on, it might've been on the TV back then or so, and she identified herself as a nutritionist. And the she was talking about how she used food and nutrition to help bring people back to health and just to, you know, help them uh, not only prevent uh, diseases from occurring like diabetes, high blood pressure and such, but that if someone developed those uh, conditions, health conditions, that food and nutrition is a, an amazing tool and um, approach to use to help bring people back into whole health. I was struck by it and said, oh, I want to do that. So I registered for the University of Manitoba. I was accepted into their food and nutrition, uh, foods and nutrition program. And then thankfully, they, before you got too deep into the program, they made sure that you had a conversation with an advisor. And my advisor, he's since passed, but I always give thanks to the wisdom that he showed me that day. He asked the baseline questions, you know, what are my goals, etc. And 
I said in response to the, so what are your goals, finish, uh, Phyllis, upon finishing this program? I said, oh, I want to be a nutritionist. And he said, oh, is that all? I said, oh, is there more? And he said, yes, you can be more than just a nutritionist. I said, what can I be? And he said, the highest in the field of foods and nutrition is to become a licensed registered dietitian. You're like at the top. I said, then, great. That's what I'll do. <laughs> and so, Alethea, that's how I got started in, in the health and wellness field and worked for the better part of those 20 years as a, a licensed registered dietitian. I was also a fitness uh, professional. I used to be an athlete back in Jamaica, and I'm still very, very active to this day. So I used foods and nutrition to work with my clients for many, many years. I worked as a, uh, a community-based dietitian because I love health and wellness, and I like to catch people before they get sick. So mm -hmm. working in a hospital just did not appeal to me because you're already sick, you're very vulnerable, and you're not interested in learning at that time, your ability to learn is really compromised by the worry of being sick. So I worked for many years in the in a private practice as a registered dietitian, doing one-on-one -on -one nutrition consulting, um, doing a family uh, consultations around foods, nutrition, health, wellness, and then I just continued growing, evolving. You know, I became a certified diabetes educator. Um, I took some courses that really pointed me in the direction that I actually ended up being in. But at the time, it really augmented my practice as a registered dietitian. So it was more training that focused on solutions. It was at the time called Solutions Focused Counseling. And I, I did some training in that and found when I took that approach in working with my clients coming from a solutions focused um, angle that not only do they come up with their solutions, but that they actually maintain those solutions because it's theirs. They're the ones who identified their solutions. And so they were more uh, committed to maintaining it. And then it just kept growing from there. I I, I never enjoyed weighing people, putting them on a scale to find out how much you weigh, how much weight have you lost. You notice my tone. I, I just mm -hmm. cannot stand that <laughs> because weight is um, an external result of what's happening inside of us. And that's the approach I've always taken. And I still take that approach to this day. I call it the inside out approach to realizing our true full ultimate potential that we actually were created and placed on this earth to fulfill. So that led me into wanting to learn more about how do I work with people from this inside out approach, mm -hmm. um, Alethea, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that led me, a girlfriend of mine, a friend and a colleague said, you know, Phyllis, you should go become a coach because that's what you're doing with people. So I looked it up and then decided to go become a professional certified coach. And then I ended up pursuing like a master's degree in health as well. Mm -hmm. and, and I successfully completed all of those. So 
academically, I have the, the academic background, but I find what's most important is my work, Alethea, is mm -hmm. the kind of work that I do believe in the work and I, I live it. So it's not as if uh, it's a job for me. It's not a job. It's, it's really a lifestyle. It's a way of being. And, and I bring that to my clients. So that's how I ended up in the health and wellness field. That's amazing. And you were absolutely uh, really focused on making sure that you covered um, every aspect of health and wellness um, mm -hmm. so you could make more informed decisions. Mm -hmm. So how did you pivot and end up um, creating your business that you have today? Yeah, so um, so as I said, I had a really, really great career uh, in, in the uh, nutrition field, foods and nutrition field, you know, you name it, I, I did it. I've written books. I have a couple books on the topic. First book sold really, really well. Um, you know, I had, uh, I was a columnist for the, for CBC radio. I had a weekly mm -hmm. column. It was called foods, food for thoughts, or food for thought rather. Mm -hmm. And, um, did a lot of national television shows, newspaper. I had a great run with my career. There was a few bumps along the way. And, um, and it's just hindsight, just looking back, I recognize that there were some, I'm going to call it prejudice and discrimination, but because I didn't come from a place like a country where I've, I felt less than, I just didn't know what racism really looked like. I didn't know those things, but that if, you know, we can talk about that later, but overall I had a very, very uh, successful practice from a, a public health and a public way of influencing people's health and well-being. Um, and then one, the discriminatory practices kind of started getting uh, more frequent, constantly be called in to my college to explain something that I said, whether in a newspaper article that was written, whether it's something they heard me say on the radio or whatever. And I was, again, I was just thinking that was me. It was my fault. I didn't, you know, cross my T's and dot my I's uh, well enough. And um, so it kind of wore me down. And then I was also feeling, what else could I do in the field of uh, food and nutrition? So I decided I wanted to really kind of just extend out using, again, just my background. So I have the training, I have the both the experience and, and formal knowledge. And I decided, actually, I don't even think I decided. You know, looking back, Alicia, uh, mm -hmm. I was someone tapped me on the shoulder and said, would you be interested in coming with me to South America to work with this organization that's looking to shift their organizational culture? Mm. I love to travel. I kind of looked at the assignment and said, yeah, I can do that. And I said, sure. When do we leave? And I <laughs> haven't looked back since it's going to be seven years of working oh in that capacity and so that's how the pivot really 
happened because I was ready to leave my 20 years of practice in the direct formal world of um, health and mm -hmm. wellness. And I wanted to now take that learning and apply it to organizations and, and their people. Can you elaborate a little bit more on how you have found your business, um, Ultimate Potentials, has made its mark in the corporate world? Um, yeah, so when we started out about six years, going seven years ago, we had our first assignment was an international assignment. Mind you, I used to do a lot of health and wellness um, workshops and sessions on-site nutrition consultations within organizations when I worked as a registered dietitian. So the corporate world wasn't a place that I just wasn't playing in. I was doing that as well as one-on-one -on -one and, and family consultations. But when we went full, um, fully into organizations, we had our first assignment, which was an international assignment that the first year, uh, you know, we gave it our all. The CEO loved our work, asked us to stay on a second year, loved the work still, asked us to stay on a third, a fourth, a fifth. So we had like five years working in this South American country. And mm -hmm. then from that, the this CEO introduced us to folks in the U.S. We ended up getting introduced to folks within the Caribbean. We ended up, you know, I was in Panama, for example. I've done work in, in South India, all from that one uh, contract. And so what I would say got us established is our, it's our work ethic, really. And it took me a good number of years in the earlier parts of my career to understand and learn what it really takes to run a business and to do so successfully. And at the core of it, Alethea, is just people. It's your network. It's how you show up to people. It's how you deliver your work, you know, with a level of excellence. It's how you put people in front of you. And that's those were lessons that I had to learn the hard way in the very early stages of me being in business because I'd never had formal business training, nor did I have anyone to mentor me and, and guide me and just help me learn these things from uh, the, the, the outset. So I, I made a lot of mistakes, but I'm a I'm a very, very strong, vicarious learner as well as someone who is not afraid uh, of failure. Failing at anything does not stop me, actually. I, I get stronger uh, from it. So I did learn from a lot of my failures. And so I would say getting our footing and, and sort of setting up a foundation is what propelled that is just the the caliber of work that we um, develop because I create my own programs for our company and then I deliver alongside my, my consultants and it's just done excellently, like excellently. And we follow up with, with our clients 
and we make sure when they say hey we would love to have had less of this or more of this or you know this just didn't go right we are we welcome those kinds of feedback and then we incorporate them in in how we work uh, for the future and so the quality of work the caliber of our network and again because i spent the last six years primarily working internationally i didn't do a lot of work in canada i did a little and so I am now kind of rebuilding and reconnecting with a lot of our networks and creating new um, connections. So I tell you, if there's any lessons to be taken away from this interview, let it be excellent work and you make your connections and you maintain your connections. Absolutely. And I just find that right now, um, just in terms of networking and maintaining relationships, um, I mean, that's all we have right now in terms it's, of yeah. trying to keep ourselves um, connected um, and connected in our community. And mm -hmm. I just find that that is very important. It um, really so is. That, yeah, absolutely. And can you just share with us one example of something that could have been challenging in the workplace and with your support, um, they had a breakthrough? Thank you. So one of the examples is, I, I have to go back to that first client of ours. It was a fairly large organization. They had over a thousand employees. The CEO was, um, you know, born in the country, but actually lived and worked in Manitoba for a while. So he's very familiar with the Canadian way of working and um, just how to lead in organizations. And he was seconded and invited back, actually, it's not even a secondment. He was scouted and invited to come back and head up this organization. And he did. He left his um, position in Manitoba and he went there. So naturally, when he arrived in the organization, it's a very, the culture, right? So it's a very, very different culture from North America, a fairly male dominant a culture, you know, females kind of take a back bench, kind of a, a mass, very macho kind of a culture. And then we see that way also showing up in how the leaders were leading. So they were very authoritative. They, um, the CEO wouldn't speak to stay a frontline employee, uh, middle level person would have to go through their director. They couldn't just approach the CEO directly. So it was uh, almost like a dictatorship that he'd inherited. And because of that, productivity was really down. Morale of the employees was um, just really almost at a, a zero uh, level. People were afraid to speak up. So they saw something and they knew that something needed to be done to address it. They wouldn't say anything. And unless you know the manager would ask, they would only tell you what they think you want to know as a manager. So the morale and the overall, I would say, psychological level of health and safety in that workplace was very, very low, very, very low, high turnovers and such. So when they brought us on board, we were given the mandate to shift the organizational culture from being this 
authoritative, um, almost a dictatorial type of culture and where people are afraid to speak to their reporting managers. Um, the CEO wanted to do a flattening of mm -hmm. the hierarchy and where you still have your positions and role, but anyone can speak to the CEO, can speak to the CTO or CCO, anyone in the C-suite and vice versa. So we did that work with them and it was work that was built on uh, our health and wellness principles as well as business principles. So we did leadership training where we took the inside out approach again. We had leaders looking at the kind of leaders they are, you know, um, affiliative, democratic, coaching style, authoritative, you name it. And then identifying who they are as a leader. We did a lot of psychometric assessments. We're certified in quite a few of the tools as well. And so we not only did individuals um, psychometric assessments, but we then compiled that data and then showed how the organization as a whole, what is its personality? Because there's the individuals, but when you collectively pull the individuals and, and bring them together, they shape the culture of the organization, right? Mm -hmm. So we did all that work. We combined emotional intelligence, you know, uh, Myers-Briggs type. We looked at the leadership training. We looked at how to build functional teams. And we used some powerful principles that I still use, of course, today, because they're so good, uh, from nature. So I love mm -hmm. nature. And when you look at nature, nature gets it right. Nature knows and understands balance. It knows how to give and how to take so that things are even out. And you see this demonstrated beautifully in animals such as wolves, for example, or elephants and such. And so we use some of those principles to incorporate those principles in our training uh, over the years with this company. And yeah, I was told by the CEO that not only were we able to shift, and we saw it too, shift the culture, it became a more of a, uh, a, a more democratic, more affiliative type of culture where people who used to be afraid of speaking with the chief technical officer, for example, they're saying, hey, Phyllis, now I can just send him an email or I can call him or if I see him in the hallway, I say, hi, so-and-so, how are you doing? And we stop and we chit-chat and it feels good. So people feel more psychologically safe and healthy and of course productivity started to just skyrocket. So that's mm -hmm. what I was told by that CEO and that's how we were able to turn that organization around. That is so wonderful. Mm -hmm. And uh, just in terms of your own overall key metrics when it comes to your ultimate potentials corporation, um, how do you find um, your reception overall when you're there, you know, getting contacted and they know that you have, you add value to the community. Um, what in, in, people in the context of this same client or just generally speaking? Just in generally speaking, when you hear your feedback. Oh, you know what? Um, I, I'm glad you asked. One of the 
uh, tools that we use. It's a tool that I created when I was being trained to be a professional certified coach. And just for the listeners, I just want to say that that was a two-year program that I went through. So this is not a weekend coaching program or a one-week program. Mm -hmm. And I was doing it at the same time I was doing my, my master's degree. So one of the assignments was to create a model that would reflect the business or the nature of our business and who we are and what we stand for. And for me, Alethea, intention is what I start with in everything in my personal life as well as my professional life. Mm -hmm. And so intention is our guiding, um, I guess, uh, force value belief. And it's not just goals for us. Intention is a deep-seated value or principle that we've come to value. And so we always look at, okay, if we're going to do this work, of course, does it fit in with what we're able to do? Can we do the work? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so what's the intention then for the end of this assignment? You know, we ourselves, as you asked, what are our metrics? And often, of course, it's to add value. You can't be a business owner without having adding value to your clients as one of your guiding principles that you've come to value. We, um, we also know that we want to have a lot of fun doing it because life is too short for us to just not enjoy you know what we're doing. So if we're enjoying it, we want to make sure that our clients are also enjoying the process. And we have a whole bunch more. But the model that we created is called IDARE. I-D-A-R-E. That's an acronym that stands for I, intention, D, desire. Because intention is not enough. We have to have desire to bring our intention into reality or bring it to fruition. Mm -hmm. Then the A, action. So at the core of what we do, we're organizational development consultants and we're professional certified, professionally certified coaches. So action is an important part of what we always intend for working with when working with our clients. What sorts of actions can they take? An action has many different forms. And then once action is taken, we look at results. And we always engage our clients in a, we call it a pre-action, pre-results um, coaching process so that they do a bit of visualization as to what are the actions they would take. And if they took these actions, what are the results they would expect to get? And then sort of get them to live that outcome before they even take one step into doing. And then E is evaluation. So everything we do, we look at, okay, what are the, the outcomes? What worked well? Why did it work well? What didn't work as well? Why did it not work as well? What could we have done differently? What could we do more of? What could we do less of? And we ask our clients those questions as well as we ask ourselves. So those mm -hmm. are just some of the ways we actually ensure that our metrics are being monitored and that we're also achieving the metrics that's set out by our clients. That's wonderful. And when you're doing all this amazing work, 
Where do you find time uh, just to focus on your self-care? Where do you see those rewards and benefits um, for yourself? Beautiful question. I'm so glad you asked it. Um, yeah, so remember what I said. We have to have fun doing what we're doing. Otherwise, it, it's work. So I'm very, very fortunate that most of the work I've ever done, I've had one assignment where I was absolutely bored silly. I made the most out of it, but I couldn't wait for it to be done. And I never looked back. But in terms of caring for myself, it's a value or a principle that I've come to value because I believe our audio should always align with our video. What we say must align with what we do. So for the better part of uh, my entire career, 20 plus years of being in practice, I have what I call uh, a, a ritual. It's a, a morning, an afternoon, and an evening ritual. And it doesn't matter if I'm you know, working within Canada or outside of Canada, it doesn't matter. Um, Alethea, I have been in airports where it's a certain time of the day as part of my ritual, I actually stop for 30 minutes and 30 to 60 and I meditate. I have gone to the chapels in, in different airports and I've just gone in and just taken time to meditate while waiting for a flight. So the morning routine is comprised of waking up early enough so that absolute quiet and peace I do my morning devotion, which is a process of giving thanks. And the we actually use this, it's a tool that we I've developed for myself. I've seen the, just the amazing benefits I've gotten and I started just sharing it this year, actually with my clients. All the other years I haven't shared it. I've kept it quiet and I ended up getting some coaching from a, a professional and the person says, so why are you not sharing that amazing thing with your clients? And I'm like, yeah, why aren't I? So I started sharing it this year. So the acronym is um, G-R-E-I-S and I say Greece, okay? Mm. The G is gratitude. Yeah. So I journal every day. I have about almost 20 years worth of journaling. Mm. The when we say G, it's what are the one to three things or so that I'm grateful for that day? You can choose to find three things that's different every day because we have so much to be gra grateful for. Mm -hmm. I typically have a, the same three, but I add a new three every day. So I do about three to six every day. Mm -hmm. So that's how I start my, um, and actually, I actually start with meditation first. So I do about 30 minutes of meditation. Then after I'm done meditating, I do the grease. So I do the gratitude. Then R is release. What will I release today? I say, uh, today I release um, fatigue or thoughts of feeling tired. Or I release fear or worries about, and you fill in the blank, release anything that's not serving you. But I write mm -hmm. it out. The E is embrace. What will I embrace? So if I say I'm going to release tiredness and fatigue, I say I embrace high energy. I embrace abundance of just well-being 
you know, and I embrace clarity of mind and purpose, for example. Mm -hmm. So that's the E. So G-R-E. And then the I is intention. Everything I do comes back to intention. So mm -hmm. what are my intentions for the day? I do typically maybe about four because it's sort of how I structure my work uh, day. Yeah. And I write those out. The mm -hmm. S is to seal it with a word that says it is done. So for me, I kind of take a lot of teachings from Buddhist practice, Christian practices, Islamic, you know, Hinduism. I, I love studying about different faiths and I incorporate a lot of their teachings in my own life. Mm -hmm. So I use the, I believe it might be Sanskrit or it might, yeah, I believe it's Sanskrit, but it's Satnam, S-A-T-N-A-M. And it means truth is my identity. That's how mm -hmm. I seal mine. People can say amen. People can say thank you. You know what I mean? But any mm -hmm. word that's a very reverent word for you, you use that S to seal all that devotion that you've either talked out, and I encourage listeners to write them out, because I've been going back now over the last 20 years, and there's a book that's in all that journaling that's just coming together. It's amazing. Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that's really interesting, because, you know, I was just thinking about your saying in terms of journaling and what um, the benefits of that. And yeah, it just sounds like it does definitely comes full circle. It really end. does. It really, really does. And so that's just the taking care of my mental, emotional, and spiritual pillars. And mm -hmm. then when I'm finished that, I usually reserve another hour for exercising. So I'd always exercise. Like I always, there's nothing new. I've always moved my body in a variety of ways. And then after that, I, um, you know, do my showering and then I always have my breakfast, beautiful, nutritious foods. I can't help it. I'm a dietitian at heart. <laughs> <laughs> and then by 9 a.m., 9.30, I'm in my office. And then I stopped mm -hmm. again at 2.30 in the afternoon for that afternoon meditation. And then I repeat again at night when it's time for bed. Wow. And I just like the fact that you've developed a consistent habit mm -hmm. um, that, um, you know, really helps you stay structured and organized because you know what if this is the business of what you're doing you yeah. right you have to be able to lead by example that's amazing. i agree i agree and yeah it just it's a part of who i am it's like brushing my teeth so mm -hmm. it's your identity absolutely satnam i like that oh, <laughs> truth is my identity yeah truth is my identity <laughs> Yeah. So then for people that really wanted to just get a summary of what um, your business is about, how would you summarize that in, a, in uh, your way of just bringing attention to what you do? Yeah. Um, I, the, the, the short of it in terms of what we do is um, we use the principles of health and leadership to um, work with organizations and families. And what we do is to bring the tools of what we call conscious leadership 
so that they can apply those, whether it's in their organizations or in their families, for the purpose of building psychologically healthy and safe workplaces and homes, one employee, one family at a time. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. And that is so amazing. Um, for people that wanted to reach out to you and connect with your organization, how do they do that? So they can look us up, just Google us, ultimatepotentials.com. So that's the name of the corporation. Or they can Google my name, Phyllis Reed Jarvis, and that's R-E-I-D hyphen Jarvis. But if you Google either one, you're going to find us. We have a well-established website. We're on all the social media well, we're not on TikTok, but, you know, Instagram, mm-hmm. Facebook, LinkedIn, we're, we're, we're there. And, um, yeah, so they can find us there or they can always just uh, maybe send us uh, t- our email addresses on our website or office phone numbers there. You can call or text us and we'd be happy to connect with folks. Mm-hmm. And I just want to reach out and just encourage people Please connect with um, Ultimate Potentials. And you heard it from the CEO yourself that um, there's some amazing, great work that needs to be done to balance our mental health and wellness and enjoy um, the benefits of just being in a positive work environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just want to thank you for... um, connecting with us today and uh, telling us more about Ultimate Potentials. Thank you so much for having me. What an honor it is to just share this space with you and with your listeners. And what you're doing is amazing, Alethea. So I just want to, you know, congratulate you and encourage you to keep doing this work. It's, It's good work. Keep shining. Thank you so much. And I just want everyone to know... We're listening to the Minds I Like podcast.